So, as I said, today we're starting uh, a new series, exploring what it means to be a God-shaped community, as we unpack uh, this story in Exodus. Uh, and at the outset, I, I want to be clear what we mean by community. I'm not just talking about a people who live in a particular area like uh, Stanmore or Valley Park in Chandler's Ford. I'm talking about a, a group of people who share a common interest, common values, and common behaviors. Why are we focusing on community at this particular time, at the start of 2022? Well, COVID has made the last 20 months incredibly challenging for us all. And if there's one thing that we've all needed, it's being part of a caring community. Lockdown, social distancing, and isolation are all words that are now part of the bread and butter of everyday language. People's mental health has been ravaged by loneliness and feeling disconnected. Many have realized that, that we're, we're not as enmeshed in community as we thought we were. And so no wonder there's been a, a genuine longing across the nation and across the nations to be connected, to be part of community. And sadly, it's impacted church life. Many people have felt disconnected. I know I've heard you say it. It provokes questions. Were we really connected be before COVID or were we just turning up and warming a seat on a Sunday morning? Maybe we haven't really experienced genuine community in church life. I want to say, I think as a church, we've done lots of things well. But I'm convinced in this area of community, this is an area that we need to go deeper. I believe what God wants us to grow in what it means to be an authentic, God-shaped community. As we go through Exodus, the book of Exodus, Exodus actually just means departure, a leaving. I believe that God is going to speak to us as a church. He's going to help us. Exodus teaches us many things about who God is, how great he is. We were singing about how big our God is, how mighty our God is. It talks about our salvation, which we've been celebrating this morning. Jesus dying for us, rescuing us out of darkness, bringing us into his light. But as much as anything else, Exodus shows as a God who is shaping a fractured group of people to increasingly become his people, his church. God's promise to create a community of people to worship him runs through the Bible from beginning to end. And the verse I'm going to read at the beginning comes from Genesis chapter 28. So it's not even in the book of Exodus. It's before we get to the book of Exodus. Genesis 28 verse 3. It will come up behind you on the screen. I'm reading from the New International Version. This is what it says. 
May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and increase your numbers until you become a community of peoples. Right there in the beginning, in the first chapters of Genesis, God is talking about making a community of people, people who belong to him. And as you get to the end of the Bible and you get to Genesis chapter 21 verse 3, this verse won't come up but it says this, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, God speaking, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be their God with them and be their God. This is the message of the Bible. It's all about God making a people for himself. I don't know if you've ever been on a road trip or planned a road trip or maybe you've been on holiday or you were going on holiday and you'd never been there before and uh, you were going with other people and you you sat down and you started to plan out where you were going to go, where you were going to stay. Maybe you planned out the route that you were going to go on. Maybe you thought about, oh, there's some really interesting places that we want to see on the way when we get there, places we want to visit, things that we, places that we can learn from about the culture that, that we're, uh, of the country that we're going to or the place that we're going to. And it's a bit of a shared experience as you do it, preparing the anticipation, the excitement of going away. Today is us getting out a map and setting the course that we're going to be taking over the next months. The story of Exodus is going to challenge us. God is going to speak to us through it. He's going to do something rich and deep within us. John Mark Comer, in the book that I referenced earlier, says this, Church is not less than Sunday services, it is far more. I want you to let that just sink into your heart. Church is not less than Sunday services, it is far more. If I'm being honest, most church leaders' assessment of how church is doing is based on how many people are there on a Sunday morning. It's one of the metrics that you Uh, used to measure church life by. And over these last 18 months, most church leaders therefore have been bereft, a little bereft of how church is going. I know because I've talked to many of them. We're unable to say, how things going? How many are you getting on Sunday mornings? Because we haven't been doing Sunday mornings in the way that we've always done them. And it's left us a little bit ankleless and rudderless. But what is God's assessment of how church is doing? What does God think? When you read through the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul's writing to the church and he makes this statement. He says, he says about them that their meetings do more harm than good. 
He's writing to a church that he loves, he cares for, but he's saying your meetings are not great. Your meetings are not the best measure of community life. And he's saying it in the context of breaking bread, just like we were doing this morning. He's saying when you come together and you remember Jesus' death, actually, you don't do very well because some of you are doing it and you are ignoring other people around you. And the context they did it in, it was much more of a meal together. Not as we do it in our Western world today. It was much more of eating around a meal. And people were coming and they were taking the food and leaving others without anything to eat. And he was saying there are, essentially saying there are divisions among you. You are not really a God-shaped community. You are just thinking about yourselves. You're not thinking of others. And he said to your meetings do more harm than good. And so our meetings are just not the only barometer. They're a good barometer, but they're not the only barometer of how church is doing in these days. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, this is one of the reasons why God has allowed this pandemic to impact churches across the world and the UK so dramatically Maybe he's allowed it to happen because he's wanting to stir his people up to become a more authentic Christian community. I, I have a, a sense that God is doing that. As I've uh, sat with church leaders and Tim and I were in a meeting with church leaders uh, uh, at the end of uh, a few months ago. And Tim asked the question, what has God been speaking to you about? And then one by one, round the room, church leaders started to express this sentiment. I feel God is speaking to us about being community. One by one, around the room. Pretty much every church leader that spoke, that's what they said. This series is an opportunity for us as a church to go back to basics, to examine what we're doing and why we're doing it. And here are a few themes that I think that we're going to find regularly coming up through this series. And so this is, I just want to highlight some things that we're going to be exploring together over these next months. I just want to touch on them. And the first one is this, is God's passion for community. God has and always will exist in community. As we've seen from the first chapters of Genesis, right to the very end of the Bible, we see God God calling his people to community. And at the beginning of Genesis, we see hints of what as Christians we call the Trinity. One God in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Each have a distinct role while remaining equal, equally God. Our blueprint for community is found in God himself. Our blueprint for community is found in God himself. The Bible is clear that God is love. If God is love, he must exist in community. The Father, we're told, loves the Son in John chapter 3, verse 35. We're told in John chapter 14, verse 31, Jesus says, the Son loves the Father. 
Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 5 that the fruit of the Spirit is love. Loving community is central to the very heart of God. And so that's why God is so committed to creating a people, not just a group of isolated individuals who worship him. God is passionate about community. The second thing we're going to see is God created us. He created you and me for community. We all want to be long. Um, we all want to be loved. We all want to be accepted. These inner desires that we have within us come from the very heart of God himself. Someone once said, we are created by a relational God for relationship. God created us, we're told in Genesis chapter 1, in his image. In Genesis chapter 2, right at the very beginning, God said it is not good for man to be alone. We are created to live in community with God and with each other. And so when Adam rejected community with God, the sin virus has affected us all. Our souls still crave to belong. But now we create our own tribes. When my daughter went to school, in her school, there were groups, there were tribes. There were the, the goths who dressed all in black. There, there, there were the emos, those who were emotionally, I don't know, emotionally needy possibly. There were the geeks. There were groups and they, they were little tribes. They used to mix together and hang out together. And the, the tribes didn't mix much. You see, we all navigate towards people that we can connect with. That's why images on Instagram that people put up are so powerful. People like them. They, they, want, they see something that they want to, someone that they want to connect with. It's why clothes labels, clothes labels when I was growing up were on the inside. It was a long time ago for some of you, okay. They are now on the outside. Let me tell you what happened when I came in this morning. I stood here and someone said, oh, that's a nice shirt. And they went, ooh, next. Someone else said, ooh, in fact, it was Matt Roth. He said, oh, trainers, look at those trainers. They like mine. There is something about the way we dress and the, the labels that we have. Is, it's something that's important for us because we want to be like those people who are wearing that. So if next week you're all wearing next shirts <laughs> and Vans trainers, you're in my tribe. The truth is, we're hearing things like today about virtual communities. Virtual communities. What on earth does that mean? And yet all the time, as, an, as a nation and nations, we are destroying the bedrock of what has been historic Christian community, the nuclear family. All our efforts to belong and connect are doomed as human beings, because of the self-focus and self-sufficiency 
The sin virus rooted deeply in the human heart. Sin corrupts community. Real community can only be rightfully established when God is is established in the center of the human heart. What about us? What about you today? Is God center stage in your life? That's where God wants to be and he wants to rule and reign in your heart and life and he wants you to be part of a community of people who love him in the same way. God created us for community. The third thing we're going to see is this, is that God is still building his community. You see, God's focus is rebuilding community. It starts with him calling one man, Abraham. He promises to make Abraham a great nation through, through whom every nation on earth will be blessed. God repeats the promise to his only son, Isaac, who then passes on to his, uh, the promise on to his son, Jacob. And we read him doing that earlier in the verse we read from Genesis. Jacob, who is later called Israel, takes his family of 75 people down to Egypt during a life-threatening famine because one of his sons, Joseph, has, uh, God has placed to oversee Egypt for Pharaoh, who rules Egypt. And they go down and, and they, as a family, they become ensconced in the country and they live there for 400 years and eventually become oppressed by the Egyptian nation. And Exodus is the story of how that family multiplied and becomes God's people. And God's intention is that he would bring them out. And as he brings them out of Egypt, Exodus is how God forms these disparate group of families and brings them and makes them a community where he is at the center. It wasn't a short process. God was thorough. He takes them out of Egypt literally in months, but it takes 40 years in the wilderness for this people to be established. And even then they're not there because they repeatedly sin and make mistakes and forget God. And God in his kindness and mercy keeps coming to them and encouraging them and rebuking them and calling them to come back. And if they do, We read again and again through the Old Testament, like in Jeremiah 24 verse 7, that he says, you will, if you do that, you will be my people and I will be your God. You see, this cycle goes on and on because it's a foreshadowing of what will happen in the New Testament. And this story of Exodus is all about God wanting to create a Christ-centered community. Exodus tells the story of a God who delivers people out of bondage into relationship with himself. But the Old Testament proves that it doesn't, uh, it doesn't work so well. They keep going back to Egypt, keep turning away from God. But through Jesus, there is a better Exodus. He delivers us out of slavery to sin once and for all. By putting our trust in Jesus, we become part of the people of God, the church. In in the Greek, it's called the ecclesia, the called out ones. Paul describes us becoming part of Jesus' 
body. In Ephesians, he says we become part of God's household. We're inextricably linked with those who belong to Jesus Christ. John Stott says this, the church is God's new community. The Greek for community is koinonia. It means fellowship. When I was in university, the Christian Union had two teams. The first one was called Ichthus. Ichthus means Jesus Christ, God's Son, Savior. The second string team, which I was in, was called koinonia, which means fellowship. I want to tell you there were moments when there wasn't a great deal of fellowship. I want to say that those names weren't always a great example of what the word stood for. Sometimes, sometimes as a church, we don't represent God in the way that we should. And God wants to speak to us about being a Christ-centered community. When Annie and I had the privilege of going to California back in 2017, we went in, in Northern California, we saw the Redwoods. Some of you will have heard me talk about this before. The Redwoods of California, they're sequoia trees. They are massive trees. Some of them are over 300 feet high. They are close to each other as the image on the screen demonstrates. Staggeringly, the thing that staggered me, their roots only go 6 to 12 feet down. They're 300 feet high. They are massive trees. How can their roots only go be so shallow? The truth is, each tree's roots entwine with the one next to it. Their strength is in their community. That's how they withstand the Pacific storms. Church communities that have the greatest longevity are made up of believers whose roots entwine, strengthening one another through life storms. Believers who are deeply committed to one another. Our closeness forces us to grow straight, to become more like Jesus, to look upwards. And if you see these redwoods, they are tall and straight, and they all grow in the same direction. A community of Christ causes each one to become more like Jesus. You see, a Christ-centered community gives us identity. Terry Virgo says that Exodus makes clear that these people's identity of the, uh, uh, as the people of God is rooted in their experience of redemption and rescue. They have a common experience. Paul says that our identity is in Christ. C.S. Lewis, the Christian writer, wrote the Narnia series, says that a person is best known in community. You see, I have got to know Jonathan and Fran really well since they moved down from Darlington. But I want to tell you, I spend less time with Fran. But I get to know Fran well 
through hearing Jonathan talk about her. As Jonathan talks about her, I understand what a kind and lovely person she is. I get a better appreciation of her. In community, we understand, we get to know each other better through other people. Our identity is in community. Where we're all equally valued, all needed, no one is unimportant. We can't do with each other. <coughs> like a beautiful jigsaw, we fit together even though we have different roles to play. A community where Jesus is at the center. That sort of community is permeable. It's easy, permeable. Where water, permeable means where water can easily get in, get, get through. We're a permeable community where it's easy for people to come in and be welcomed. God-shaped community gives identity, but it also, where Christ is at the center, it shapes our identity. You see, community isn't made up of perfect people. We are all flawed. But just like the Redwoods, we can help each other become more like him. And one anothering is one of the great phrases of the New Testament. We honor one another. We accept one another. We bear with one another. We forgive one another. In James chapter 5 verse 16, it talks about praying for one another and confessing our sins to one another. That's something that we don't do very often. But I want to suggest to you that when we're open and accountable, we build community. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, it talks about encouraging and provoking one another to press on. We cheer on and we challenge one another. We're to be a people that Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verse 13, who admonish and confront one another. So if we see someone who's not growing very straight, is going, growing a, a bit off beam, we say, no, no, no. Look to Jesus. And we help people readjust. Philip Yancey says this, anyone can form a club. It takes grace, shared vision, and hard work to form a community. Community shapes our character. Christ-centered community also shapes our behavior. You see, God's community is marked by holiness. It's marked by love. It's true that we inev inevitably become like the people we spend time with. That's why Paul warns, warns the Corinthians. He said, bad company corrupts good character. Watch who you spend your time with. The, the redwoods grow together because they stick together. There's something about their togetherness that causes them to have similar character. In a world which has turned its back on the God who created it. God is the only one who knows and understands the way we should enjoy life to the full. Jesus says, I have come to bring life that you may have it to the full. Tim Keller makes a point. Real community inevitably limits freedom and choice. In a world which tells you you can do what you like, you can think what you like, you can go where you like, you can treat other people as you like, God says no. God says my community is a community that shapes one another by the word of God, 
and by the power of the Holy Spirit to become a people who are holy. Holy means set apart, different. To live holy lives is to live different to the world around us. To live, we don't live by the world's values. We have our own set of values that are set out in the Word of God. That's why the Word of God is so important to us. Christ-centered community. And the last thing we're going to see through this series is the power of community. The community of the cross is powerful. You see, together we are more than the sum of our collective parts because God is with us. No wonder the Bible says that all things are possible for us, the people of God. Our community should be infectious. Others should want to be part of it, not avoid us like the plague. Some will do that because they don't want to have anything to do with Jesus. But people should see our community as being infectious. Because we reveal God. There may be no greater proof of God than the power of community. Something I read the other day. We're a people who proclaim the gospel, the power of God to change lives. We are a community on the move. That's what you're going to see as we go through Exodus. We're not a static community. We're a community that's constantly on the move. We're a community that brings the light of the gospel. We are the light of the world. We are a city on a hill. We are the salt of the earth. Here amongst us, the unloved should experience love. The lonely should find friendship and the destitute be cared for. Our example as God's new community should provoke people to believe in Jesus. That's what Jesus himself said. And there is power amongst us as we come before God and we pray. We sang that in one of the songs we sang this morning. I want to encourage you, I want to encourage you this week as we pray. Gather together with people in your community, the people around you that you live in, to pray and ask God to move amongst us, to hear our cries. As we gather together on Wednesday night and next Sunday night, be there online or in person, because there is power in this community. I'm going to leave you with this challenge. John Mark Comer ends his book with the following statement. People can't live without meaning, purpose, and community. The secular world can't seem to offer that. Jesus can and does. And then he leaves this question. What if the church were to come back to her call as a community radiant with the love of God? What if? What if in these next months God does something so deep and so rich amongst us that we increasingly become radiant with the love of God? Where we love God together more and more and more. We stir one another to love him. Where we love his church. Where we love his people. We're seeing so much fracture going along around us at the moment. COVID seems to be creating divisions in the church. We should be a people who love the church, who are committed to him, Jesus and his people. Where we love one another deeply from the heart. 
where we love the lost, those who don't know him yet. What if, what if the church were cut to come back to a call as a communi community radiant with the love of God? What would happen? Wow, what an impact it would have in our city. God, do it amongst us. Let's stand together. Lord, my simple prayer at the start of 2022 is that you hear our prayer and that you do that amongst us. May we become a people radiant with the love of God. May we become a Christ-centered community. For your glory and your honor. Amen.